So then the big doors open and you see the sharks. And for some reason, I almost felt like it was like Shakespeare. All of the world is the stage. And I was like, it's showtime. I stood on my ex and I can't even tell you how spellbound I felt. I felt I felt I had them spellbound. I felt like I was tra- in a trance. I was sitting there in a low cut canary yellow peplum dress an Afro extreme makeup and I'm just pitching. And I could see the look in their eyes. Like it was just, um, it was almost like slow motion, surreal. And when I finished, I said something like, okay, ladies, now let's get in formation. The door opened and my full figure diva models walked out. And when I tell you, Mark Cuban said, you go girl. And Robert Hershevik, once I finished, he said, you are a master. You are a master at your craft. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Precious Williams is a world-class master communicator who works with successful entrepreneurs and speakers and helps them take their professional pitching and speaking skills to the next level. With over 25 years of experience in creating unique speaking and public speaking techniques, Williams is also known for innovative training programs and services to our clients and sales teams at Fortune 100 companies. These include Google, Microsoft, LinkedIn, eBay, etc. As a 13-time National Business Elevator Pitch Champion, Williams has been on top television shows and publications for her pitching, branding, and professional speaking skills. She was featured on season eight of ABC's Shark Tank, Forbes Magazine, CNN, ABC, MSNBC, Wall Street Journal, the movie Leap, as well as several others around the world. She is also the author of the number one best-selling business book, Bad Bitches and Power Pitches, and has been featured on the top podcasts and stages around the world. I am so excited to have Precious Williams on the show. Precious, welcome. I am so delighted to be here. Thank you. Excellent. So listeners, everybody um, who's been listening to the show, who's done any kind of deals, knows that being able to pitch yourself, I mean, listen, as, certainly as a speaker, which is part of what Precious does, but also as any kind of business person, entrepreneur, you're pitching yourself all the time, right? Whether right. it's related to... Um, pitching for money, pitching a deal, pitching sales, any of that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to delve into that with Precious. But before we go there, I'm going to take you back, Precious, to when you were a little kid growing up, maybe 8, 10, 12 years old. What did you want to be? Because I'm guessing that you might not (laughs) not even know what a pitch master was back then. But tell me if I'm wrong. I wanted to be a talk show host. I wanted to be like Sally Jesse Raphael. Do you remember her with the red glasses? I remember her, Phil Donahue. I knew that I would have to have something that had to do with my voice or speaking. I knew that. It was so strange because I grew up in the inner city. 
And that's not something that people, you know, will say to you like, oh, you're so great at, no, no, no. But I knew, and I was watching Sally Jesse Raphael one day. Now, you know, I didn't understand what they were talking about, but I love the way she moved and I love the way she sounded. I love the way she commanded the attention of her audience. I love the way she held sway over her guests. And I felt like that was me. So I would line up my little dolls and I would talk to them. You know, we give them lessons and it wasn't like teaching. It was really holding sway, almost like a conductor. Yeah. And that's exactly what, and, and to be able to have actually done it has been amazing. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's an amazing story. All right. So one other question, having you think back before we come to the present, and that is, what was your first deal of any type, whether that was when you were a kid or later? <laughs> My first deal. I can only think of the time when I got fired from a grocery store and they asked for me to come back after, after I gave them, you know, a verbal, not a verbal tongue lashing, but I was working at this uh, grocery store in St. Louis, Missouri. I was 16 years old, just trying to earn some money to buy a big, you know, men's high school ring. For some reason, I wanted the men's one, not the women's one. Uh-huh. And, you know, I didn't particularly like working at a grocery store, but you know how you have to do what you got to do. I was a bagger. I went over to the Florida department. And one day, you know, I mean, you just don't do what you're supposed to do as a teenager. You know, I got fired and, you know, being able to tuck my way back into my job was amazing for me. You know, Uh and it wasn't that I thought I was an attorney. It was just literally, I just talked my way right back into it. Like, I know that you would love to, you know, fire me for this, but, you know, upon further reflection, I mean, I don't know where these words came out of. (laughs) And they were just like, you know what? We're going to think about it. And they gave me my job back and I didn't want it. So I quit. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, so, you, so crazy. So, so you made it. You made a successful pitch, got the deal uh-huh. done to get your job back, and then said, mm-hmm. "No, thank you." Right. It was funny because my grandmother didn't want me to have a job in the first place, and even though we lived in the inner city, my grandmother prided herself on being able to raise a college student. And so when I'm the first person in my family to go to college, and my grandmother just wanted me to go to school to do after school activities you know, and stuff like that, but she did not want me working. Mm. So imagine her surprise when I got my job back and was like, mm, no, I don't want it. I'm good. She was like, oh, okay. So that's how it was going to be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I love it. The lessons we learned when we were young. I remember being online for a job at McDonald's. So I all kinds of kids were lined up to get a job at McDonald's. And I was, mm-hmm. I was a little bit of the loudmouth online and the, uh, and the people from the, uh, you know, who were doing the interview pulled me into the McDonald's and sat me down and told me why I wasn't going to get a job there. And, uh, <laughs> I, I learned my, I learned my lesson well that, uh, complaining outside while you're waiting for a job is probably not the way to. Ooh, probably <laughs> not, probably not, probably not, probably not. <laughs> you know, the things we do as teenagers. Yeah, all right. Definitely. So getting back to, uh, Closer to now, so you've done a lot of really interesting stuff and, you know, gotten this reputation as the killer pitch master, uh, and that's included everything from training speakers to being on Shark Tank. So, you know, I know people are going to want to hear about that Shark Tank experience, but uh, if you want to lead us to how you got there, I'm happy to do that. Or if you want to jump right into the Shark Tank experience, uh, you know, that's good as well. Well, you know, we can always jump into the Shark Tank experience. That was such a wonder. When I tell you it was so wonderful, like I'd already coached people who were on Shark Tank. And I always had this belief that I was like their best kept secret. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't want to say that they've used my services. You know what I mean? And right. so to know that, you know, through the tea leaves, my name came up and I had a private audition. So I never stood in line, never went through any of those, never, never went through the American Idol style or the Shark Tank style. I literally sat in a room with producers and I just pitched. 
without my lingerie or anything. And my company was Curvy Girls Lingerie at the time. Yeah. And they loved it. You know, I worked with two producers. The next thing I know, September 11th, I flew out to LAX, went to Culver City. And when we got to Sony Picture Studios, you know, all I could do was cry because so many people said it would never happen. One, I'm black, I'm curvy. You know, I didn't come with an Ivy League degree, even though I'm a former attorney and everything. I was always told that I could not do it because my skin color would hold me back and my gender would hold me back. And to know that, you know, as we were at Sony Picture Studios, it was amazing. I had my full figure divas and plus size fashionista models. And so when I tell you on September 15th, when we filmed, I remember standing outside of the big doors and just, and they were like, are you ready? And I'm like, I was born for this moment. I'm looking at my models. They're looking at me. We pray. We do the, we do my theme songs. I have four theme songs that I have to listen to before I go into any pitch event. I listened to the songs and then I said, game on. That door opened. I thought I was going to listen to some music as I walked down the hall, you know, get me in that moment. There was no music. I was so hurt. So then the big doors open and you see the sharks. And for some reason, I almost felt like it was like Shakespeare. All of the world is a stage. And I was like, it's, it's showtime. Mm. I stood on my ex and I can't even tell you how spellbound I felt. I felt I felt I had them spellbound. I felt like I was tra- in a trance. I was sitting there in a low cut canary yellow peplum dress an Afro extreme makeup. And I'm just pitching. And I could see the look in their eyes. Like it was almost like slow motion, surreal. And when I finished, I said something like, okay, ladies, now let's get in formation. The door opened and my full figure diva models walked out. And when I tell you, Mark Cuban said, you go, girl. And Robert Hershevik, once I finished, he said, you are a master. You are a master at your craft. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, can we cut? Because I want them to hear that a woman came through and did this. And so as they're asking me questions, there wasn't a question they didn't ask. There was no question that they asked me that I hadn't been asked before. I'm a 13-time national elevator pitch champion. So I was ready. I was born for those moments and to have the sharks talk to me and ask me questions and throw things at me. It was so exciting and exhilarating. And by the time it was over, and I have to be honest, I only went for exposure. I did not want a deal. I wanted to prove once and for all that when you put your mind to something and when the whole world seems like it's against you and all you have is your higher power and yourself and the very few that will rock with you regardless, you can move the mountains that people just don't believe they can move. Mm. And so when I walked away, I just started crying. They were like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? And I said, because I wanted to prove that a black woman can get on this show and clean house. And I know that sounds very strange, but it really had to be done. And I had to prove it to myself that if I say I'm the best in the world, that other people say I'm the best in the world, I am the best in the world at what I do. It was such an amazing experience. It's almost like you wish more people had it because they think they understand. They think they know, but they truly, like MTV says, you have no idea. You have no idea what that experience was like. There are so many tricks and things thrown your way. And it made it even more exciting. So exciting. I wish I was almost like a teenager. And I could have taken pictures and snap pictures on the side, you know, and everything. But I didn't. I, I was like, I'm too old for that. And they will put me out. So I didn't want to be put out. But it now, was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, right? Because in the raising capital game, there's many more. I mean, obviously, having a great pitch is absolutely crucial. You don't even get in the door if you do that. But whether mm-hmm. or not, you know, your company's fundable, whether you're in front of the right investors, whether, right, right, right. you know, there are other factors in terms of when, you know, whether you get funded or not. You know, you said that you were really there to get the exposure and that they loved your pitch. Those things don't necessarily mean you get the funding, right? Right. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I, the first time I ever pitched, 
your real life was on was to get onto the show your business with JJ Rambert. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was pitching for that. My second pitch was actually on the show, the elevator pitch segment, and I actually got five hundred thousand wow. dollars. Imagine to my surprise, I didn't think that was possible. I had been told it would never happen and it did. It literally happened. And then that's they told me keep going in these elevator pitch competitions. Because they said one of the things that people rarely think about is they think about the money. They don't think about who else is in the room. They never think about the partners that can come along. They never think about the mentors. They never think about the connections. And so much happened from every experience that I had that I still am in contact with people that people wouldn't believe. When I was with Sir Richard Branson, when I was with Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul, when we were shooting this movie, uh, it was called Coaching Movie when I was in Santa Monica and Malibu in Italy. Like It was crazy all that has happened to me as the pitch master from just being able to pitch. Yeah, love it. And you mentioned uh, J.J. Ramberg. I just want to give a, a little mini shout out because... Uh, give a shout out because that woman's bad. Yeah, she has, you know, a, a newer venture the last year, year or so uh, called Good Pods. And uh, it's one of the places that this podcast actually airs amongst, you know, all the other major podcast players, et cetera. But Good Pods is a, a community of podcasters and listeners. And if you haven't checked it out, check out J.J. Ramberg's uh, Good Pods. So a little opportunity to pitch her there. Yeah, because I think she's great. So let's talk more generally about about pitching, right? Because a lot of my, you know, we definitely have some of our speaker colleagues in my audience, but I, I also have a huge number of entrepreneurs, business owners, and all kinds of different fields uh, from financial services to building, cleaning, and maintenance, you name it, right? And, you know, there's always, I mean, people think of pitching in terms of sales, but even in terms of deals, I mean, whether it's for joint venture arrangement, a business arrangement, you, you know, you actually want to acquire, or acquire a company. I mean, you're always pitching. So you're always pitching. pitching for business people. So I think pitching for business people, you never know who you're going to be sitting next to on a plane. You never know who you're going to be sitting next to when you're eating. You never know what opportunities are going to present themselves to you. So being able to present to be able to articulate what makes your business different, what makes you different, your secret sauce, the pain points that you're really addressing for a particular audience, how big the market is. How did you even get involved in something like this in the first place? Being able to tell that in a succinct story that captivates from beginning to end it's very rare for people to do. In fact, I just did a global pitch event that had 21 different countries represented. Women in tech from 21 different countries represented. So I was there with venture capitalists, angel investors, and whatever. And they were asking me, they were just throwing things at me to just see if I could pitch it or how would I, how would I improve upon someone else's pitch? And it was so amazing because it's like when you are the pitch master or when you're just pitching your business, some of us forget that it shouldn't be dry. It shouldn't be boring. You should have passion, energy, and intensity for what it is that you do and what you're putting out there on the market. If you're asking someone for their money, have you put enough skin in the game? Have you worked enough to get it off the ground? Or are you using somebody else's money to do that? What kind of fire is in your belly? What type of work have you done? What type of research, primary, secondary research have you done? What lets them know that you are the right person to invest in? What do they say? You don't bet on the horse, you bet on the jockey. Are you the right jockey? Or do you just have a good horse? Love that. So there's so many things that come into pitching. Like people forget about, they'll, oh, have you ever seen this on Shark Tank? Oh, it's a $5 billion a year market. If we get just zero, 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 point one, zero. <laughs> that is so silly to me. I'm like, listen, when I started Curvy Girls Launch Ray, one of the things I learned very, very quickly is if you change your language, you change the game. Think about this for a second. If I said, I'm creating lingerie for plus size women, right. nobody cares. Right. But when I said, we're the ultimate shopping experience for full-figure divas and plus-size fashionistas. People are like, who are these women? I'm like, I'm standing right in front of you. 
Oh, I never wear a cut. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm 327 pounds. I know how to dress well. I know it's hard for people to believe, but you, fat rolls and all of that aren't going to be there. But I was dating a very famous Hollywood actor. He's now deceased. But what I'm telling you is if I could get him and you know, they're very discerning with the women that they date. Mm-hmm. What makes you think I can't get an investor? What makes you think I couldn't get on television and make it happen? That's what I'm saying. There is nothing that's impossible or out of reach. But if you're just going into this just to go through the motion, you have to really prove to an investor or to the media or to a job interviewer or to a supervisor, you really have to prove yourself. And if the best thing that you can do is just go blindly through a pitch, then I don't really want to be associated with you. You have to be able to bring it each and every time. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to join our DealQuest community group on Facebook. There, you'll have a chance to engage with other entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and leaders who are looking to grow, do deals, and make a bigger impact. In addition to the great content and community, you can also register there for our conversations, community, and cocktail Zoom calls and the upcoming Deal Den Zoom calls during which you will have the opportunity to brainstorm and get support with deal-driven growth for your company. Now back to the show. So Precious, you raised something that I want to delve into. It's something that's been important to me for decades and and certainly in these times. You know, and you specifically said, hey, you had something to prove going on Shark Tank, right? Based upon your skin color, your background, your, you know, being a woman, right? All that stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. I know that in... Well, first of all, in, I mean, the statistics for in venture capital for women-owned, certainly people of color-owned businesses in terms of the, their percentage of investment made by venture capitals is dismal. The statistics in terms of various other opportunities, and you name the industries. I do a lot in financial services and right. this latest, you know, latest things that have happened, which is nothing new, unfortunately, with George Floyd and Maude Arbery, right. Brianna Taylor, and you name it, have brought this conversation up again about the lack of diversity in various industries. So I want to tie in because, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I mean, the ability to pitch yourself for anybody is hugely important, but for certain groups who are disadvantaged and, you know, to start with, I think it's even more essential. It is so essential. And I think that that's why when I came on, you know, some people, maybe they think it wasn't a big deal. It is a big deal. How many African-Americans, how many Africans, how many Black people have you ever seen on Shark Tank that just killed? You can honestly name them. You can name a whole lot of people who look nothing like me that did it with this buddy and this, that. I did it alone. And I wanted to, you know how you go to certain things and you see partners and stuff like that. I'm not saying that that necessarily made me better. What that is saying is sometimes you have to go it alone to prove that you have an idea worth investing in. Not everybody can see. Think about this. When you hear about Steve Jobs or you hear about a Mark Zuckerberg or you hear about a Bill Gates, sometimes people start in garages. Sometimes people start... Uh, on computers. Well, what if you didn't have that growing up? If you didn't have a garage? Isn't the fact that I started with nothing, not a house, living in a project and stuff like that, like that should still be part of something. I still did it. And I still wanted to prove that there are over 40 million women, so I was 14 or larger in the United States, just like me. And we all want pretty underwear. And it's just too bad the most mainstream lingerie companies don't create anything for women my size. Yeah. So that's why we created Curvy Girls Lingerie. And when I say we are the ultimate, I truly mean that celebrating the beauty of curvy women every day and showing how we were going to make money, how we did make money, how we created our own direct sales model. When people said it wouldn't, it couldn't be done by a black woman. It couldn't. I didn't have the smarts, the skill set. I didn't have a business school degree. I have a law degree, but you know, I didn't do this. It's like I don't care what you throw at me. When the good Lord gave me my idea, 
he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I was called <laughs> to do this. Yeah. And my purpose on this earth is to unlock the gift of speech in women, entrepreneurs, and speakers, and more so just speakers and entrepreneurs, period. Because once you learn how to pitch your business, you will be amazed at the opportunities that come your way. Did I ever think that television and movies would come my way? No, I was just so focused on showcasing the brilliance of people of color that we can do it. And you can listen to every statistic under the sun and it will scare you into thinking you can't, or you can just say, you know what, if I gotta be the first, I got to. I'm a trailblazer, I'm not a follower. So as a trailblazer, I'm gonna fall on my knees, I'm gonna get cut up, I'm gonna get scraped up. If I can make it easier for the next person to come, but I have to make the way easier first. I'm not gonna look and make her do it. I'm gonna go first, make the way easier, and now kick through the door. Let's kick through the door together. And so that's why I work so hard. When I wrote my book, Bad Bitches and Power Pitches, some people had a problem with the title, not understanding. It's not a crass title. You really have to put on an armor when you go to pit. You really have to go into rooms where people look at you and think that you're the help or think that you're not smart enough or think that even if you do have a degree or multiple degrees, it will never be to a certain level. And I'm not putting down anyone. I'm just saying the reality of the situation is when you see me walking down the street, Do you see a law degree? Do you see an English degree? Do you see any of that? No. You may perceive me as she may be a mother. She may be low income. She may, and it's like, none of that applies to me. But if you want to bring it there, let me take it there. And let me showcase how brilliant I am and how how brilliant so many others are. If given the opportunity to see that it can be done. There is so much in what you said. We could spend hours breaking it down, but yes. you know, uh, I mean, like days, right? Weeks. Um, but, yes. you know, for me, it raises so many things. I mean, on the one hand, it raises that conversation of implicit bias, which we could talk about forever. And I, I am talking about all the time with a lot of folks uh, and certainly a lot of folks that look like me, because, you know, with a lot of folks who would never consider themselves racist or prejudiced or whatever, but right. they understand the concept of implicit bias. They don't understand about the, you know, why the same exact resume where they put a black sounding name and a white sounding name on it, the white sounding name gets, you know, twice as many interview, you know, call-ins and, you know, why uh, would, uh, and this is more, uh, it, it affected race, but it was big on gender, you know, where they started doing blind um, auditions for orchestras as opposed to, right. you know, seeing them and, and the percentage of women and people of color went up significantly. So that's a huge conversation. And then you also mentioned something that was dear to my heart because uh, it's just, it's just where I come from. And also my wife recently wrote a book called The Calling, which is all about like, you know, this is your calling. It's clearly your calling which doesn't right. mean that you don't still have to work at it and break through barriers and whatever, but the ability to sort of go back and know this is my purpose in life, I find for me, in terms of my purpose, I know it's with my wife, I know it's with the people at She Coaches in terms of their purpose, that when you really get clear on what your purpose in life is, it doesn't mean there won't be obstacles, but you have some a very strong base to go back to when things get tough to say, well, this is what I'm here to do, so I got to get back in yeah. there. I got to get back in the game. I got to get back in the game. Yeah. And you know what? You, one of the things you just said was so powerful that, you know, just because you're called to it, you will still work at it. Yeah. Like, have you ever met people who like I've met a lot of speakers who don't invest in themselves anymore? Yeah. And I'm like, you have to invest to get better and better. Why would you hang with people who are on your level? I'm always trying to move up, not because there's anything wrong with being here, but just because I want to have something to move up to. I am not one of those people that really wants to sit here and have the same conversations over and over and over again. I really want to work. I really want people to challenge me, to push me. It's like when I used to pitch, I used to always say there's only 
three pitches that are ever going to be good at one in one like if you have ten people, there's only going to be three that are ever going to be good, and the, there's always going to be one clear winner. So it's always going to be when it's a pitch competition. I haven't been in competing in years since 2013. I haven't competed in that time, so I've been writing pitches and improving it for others. There was a woman at a pitch competition I did for Google. I was the, I was the MC plus I was also the judge. When I tell you this woman was so good, I said, girl, let me get up because you make me want to get back on stage and do this. <laughs> you make me want to go head to head with you. And I said, it's been so long. I said, I'm salivating. I want to go head to head with you. I feel like Ric Flair, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And yeah. you by far is one of the best I've ever heard in seven, in, it was six years. And I said, I want to go head to head with you. She said, oh, how do you think you play? So I said, I beat you. No doubt. No doubt. And that's what I do. Hashtag play all competition. But you've made me want to bring my A game, not my B game, not my A minus game. You want me to bring my A game because when I come with my A game, it's a wrap. Love it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because athletes understand that, right? You know, when mm-hmm. athletes always want to be competing against people better than them because it right. makes them better, right? You know, it's, right. uh, I mean, and, and I'm not even t- talking about professional athletes. I mean, even me growing up, uh, you know, playing basketball, <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, you know, your skills get stale if you're not challenged. And, right. um, and I think I approach life and business the same way you do. I'm always looking to learn more to get challenged, which means that you got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to get tough lessons. You got to be willing to take chances. And, and yeah. And listen, I think um, in this day and age, in every industry, certainly some of our speaker uh, colleagues have figured out that being complacent around their model that they haven't evolved over time has really cost them right now because if they haven't created other streams of income and they're just uh, dependent upon being on a stage and they can't be on a stage anymore and there's only so much that's going virtual, some of them are really running into trouble. Yes. And so like even with, even, even in podcasting, even in everything, there's still rankings, there's still those sort of things. And so having this means that people are always wanting to push to go further and higher. And then there's some people who are complacent. That's not me. I'm a bold personality. As you can probably tell, I'm bold. I'm going <laughs> to step to you. I don't I'm think a, any of our listeners had any doubt about that, Precious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm bold. I'm willing to step to you. And I want, it's not even just for the recognition, but also to show others too. You know, I'm 41 years old now. When I was younger, it was all about me. Now it's like, what kind of legacy do we want to leave behind for our young people? In fact, I spoke at something with the United Nations today. It was like this global leadership for young people. So it was like, you know, high schoolers and getting them ready for, you know, maybe being a foreign agent, you know, stuff like that. Right. And so I came in to talk about pitching. What should they say in their interview? And do you know, when I got towards the end of my presentation, I made it so interactive because, you know, young people need that. They need to feel like they're a part of it. Sure. It got so good. It got so good. That when the hour was up, I was begging and the kids were begging to keep going. And you know you can't because you know they, they have a day you know, for everybody else. And I was like, this is what I love. The young people are getting it. They're seeing that pitching is not just for investors. It's not just to just pitch your business. You need to pitch yourself every day. You need to put your best foot forward. You need to be in certain networks. One of the things that I think holds a lot of people back is that they're not – they're not pushing to get into other networks where they can really make a difference. And I'm going to say make a difference. I don't mean just racially or socioeconomically. I mean, being in the room means something. Having a seat at the table means something. And then when you can open up another chair for someone else, but they look like you, sound like you, talk like you, that diversity means something. Because now you have richness, you, 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 that, that delicious morsel that everyone's chewing the fat together and they're like, we're going to come to the best conclusion because we're the best of the best in the room now. Not what we expect, 
not what we think the best of the best looks like. No, no, no. This is truly the best of the best. You've got the best of the East, the West, the South. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Sorry, I, I, go, I, go, I go on tangents. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I go off. No, 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 no. I love the passion. I'm the same way. You know, it's like, I, I've been a guest on a lot of people's podcasts and the thing that mm-hmm. I'm passionate about it. And that's the way I roll as well. And I, you know, and I love hearing it from you. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, because obviously you work with different types of people, speakers, uh, people who pitch it. Who are some of your ideal clients? Who are the kind of people you love working with? I love working with executives. I love working with especially women, like successful women entrepreneurs and speakers, you know, the ones that are ready to go to the next level, but they have this trepidation about, can they do it? They've been successful in one realm and now they may want to become entrepreneurs or maybe they want to step up their speaking game. So they're not just getting paid to just, you know, give some BS speech. They're now getting paid to truly do something transformative, going beyond the surface, but taking it to the next level. And so those are the type of women, like I'm getting the PhDs, I'm getting the doctors, I'm getting the lawyers and who are really ready to go to the next level. So I really work well with people who are between the ages of 35 to like 54. So that's, that's, right, that's my sweet spot. Yes, I can talk to young people and I love young people, but I'm 41 and I know what it's like to feel like you're hitting a wall and no one can understand you because they're telling you you're successful. Stay here. And you're like, if I stay here, I'm going to die. I need to feel challenged. I need to feel pushed. And I need to get out there and really show the world why God made me in the first place. It was not to stay 40 years here. That was cute back in the day. Now, it's like I need to transform in multiple realms to truly feel like I've made a legacy for others. When you are getting an investment in your company, it's not just for that moment. It's truly to keep that company going long after you're gone, whether it changes names or whatever. I've been watching this thing on YouTube. There's a guy called, there's a, channel called Cold Fusion and a channel called Company Man. I literally will sit and watch the rise and fall of different businesses and what lessons can be learned. Think about that. I'm not just focused on my business or the businesses that are similarly situated. I like to see what caused other businesses to fail. And it's not necessarily what you always think. It's not necessarily technology. It might be just wrong thinking. It might be, you know, archaic thinking. It might be, you know, you don't have the best in the room anymore. You have a whole bunch of yes people. And so definitely paying attention to those and knowing that business is not promised. You can have the best idea today and regulations could put you out of business tomorrow. Am I right? A hundred percent. And, you know, you're right. It could be regulations. It could be market conditions. It could be a competitor, a new innovation, whatever. And, you know, you've seen it over the years. It's, you know, businesses that don't evolve and, uh, and develop and stay ahead. And listen, it's so easy. And, and I've had, I got to admit, I've had periods in my life and my business where things are going really well and it's easy to get complacent. And by the way, I also want to say, and you know, I love your piece on this. I think we all have different periods in our lives and our businesses where, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea to sort of slow down a little bit sometimes and integrate. And yes. fact, uh, you know, in this time of COVID, frankly, I've been using it, you know, I mean, I've been very fortunate in that I have you know, my law firm business, I have a consulting business, I have my speaking business and my other bit, you know, I'm not speaking as much, but you know, my other businesses are doing really well. But I have a lot of time that I used to be on planes and all that kind of stuff and whatever. Ooh, what? I don't time to integrate and spend Be some true. time with my yeah. wife and, and also do some planning and new offering stuff and whatever. So, you know, there is an ebb and a flow, but the general direction has to be always towards creativity, innovation, and growth, in my mind. You're so right. And let's be clear. I really want to get more into the digital products because there's only so much of me to spread around. It's not like I'm working by myself. But truly, in order to, to have a business grow beyond the founders or you know, just initial people, you really have to keep your ear and your eye on the pulse of what's changing. You know what I mean? 
So I think it's so great that we're having this conversation. And yes, pitching is so important, but it's almost like that's the beginning. There's so much more to business than just that. But you really need to be able to pitch at the drop of the dime. I don't say it has to be perfect. But, you know, being able to have a conversational pitch, being able to go into a job interview and do that, being able to be in front of an investor and just understanding they used to be like you, whether they want to admit it or not, they probably were like you. And so they know what a good one sounds like, even if they can't say it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I I usually, so first of all, before I get to where I'm going to finish the interview, which is going to be actually two final questions for you. I usually do one, Mm -hmm. two for you. Let people know where they can uh, find out more about you because I'm sure my listeners are going to want to know more about you. <laughs> What's the best place yes. to find me? Yeah, the best place to find me is at www.perfectpitchesbyprecious.com. And that's pitches, P-I-T-C-H-E-S. Perfectpitchesbyprecious.com. You can also reach me at precious at perfectpitchesbyprecious.com. And precious is like it is in a dictionary. You can also check me out on LinkedIn. I am Precious L. Williams. Killer Pitch Master. Got to stay with the brand. Got to stay with the brand. On um, Facebook, I am at Perfect Pitch P. On Twitter, I am at Perfect Pitch P. And on Instagram, I'm at Perfect Pitches P. And to really, really understand, you know, a little bit more about me, my philosophy and everything, you would go to Amazon.com, Walmart.com, and check out my book, Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for women entrepreneurs and speakers only. And my workbook for that, my companion workbook just came out July 16th. So I'm telling you, both books are incredible and it really helps shape you into creating a great, perfect pitch for yourself. In addition, I also have a quiz. So if you go to my website, www.perfectpitchesbyprecious.com, you can backslash quiz. I have a free six question quiz that will help you get started in preparing for that killer pitch that will slay all competition and make you top of mind in any industry that you're in and create your own lane. Love it. Love it. So to summarize listeners, Precious is just everywhere. So just look for her. You'll find her. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't catch any of that, it'll all be in the show notes. So, uh, so Precious, when this show was in an earlier version, I used to call it fueling deals. And there was a question I would ask at the end about one of my highest values. And then uh, now that it's DealQuest, there's a different question I asked about my highest value. But I particularly want to ask you both these questions, even though I usually only do one now for various reasons. So what I always used to ask as the final question is I used to say authenticity is one of my highest values. Mm -hmm. And what does authenticity mean to you? And for me, the reason why I wanted to include this question, whereas I don't usually anymore now that we've, you know, evolved the format of the show, is because, you know, for me, I want to hear you about the relationship of what you think between authenticity and pitching, because a lot of people look at pitching as just selling themselves and selling themselves is fine, but it could be done in a way that's not aligned, not authentic, disconnected. And I have a particular opinion on that. That makes a big difference, but I'd love to hear from you on the relationship between authenticity and effectively pitching yourself. Well, so glad that you asked that question. The truth of the matter is a great pitch master or someone who's great at pitching will find ways to truly infuse their personality into their pitch. As you can tell from me, I'm bold. I'm in your face. There were people who used to tell me to you know, be quieter, softer. No, no, no. That's not my personality. And I think that that's why I'm so memorable. When you think about who you are, if you're the quiet storm, if you're an introvert, you better rock that. So yeah. I can come in all loud and gregarious. You draw them in by bringing the quietness, bringing them to you, draw them to you, attract them to you. Do you see how different that is? 
and it still is attractive. So don't think that you always got to fight again. You got to be something that you're not. Infuse your real person. If you're funny, inject humor. If you are off the wall, inject it. You will be amazed how much people can really read from your pitch and whether they feel like you're the jockey they want to bet on or if you just got a good horse, which they will pass on. Another thing, a lot of investors will say, I'm always ready to say no, because most people have found the same. They haven't done the due diligence and they haven't done the research. When you get out there and you truly know your stuff, you'd be amazed how that confidence translates into bringing the highest authentic self to the table. You won't have to put on airs. You just are what you say you are. And that's it. Love that. Yeah, I, that's so aligned with what I believe. Okay, so final question, which is about another one of my values. My highest value in life is freedom. I have a myintent.org bracelet that I wear that has the word freedom on it. And for me, freedom means everything from freedom from oppression to all people in the world to the reason I'm an entrepreneur and I don't work for somebody, right? So Ooh, I can you better say it. You better do, do that. what I want. So what does freedom mean to you and how does it affect your life and business? Freedom means to me that I finally let my past go. I got free from worry, self-doubt, and fear. That's what I'm, I, I, I love that I'm able to write my own paycheck, don't you? We write our own paychecks. Yep. We don't have to sit around and wait. We write our own paycheck. Freedom means to me that I have the ability to truly transform the world one person at a time. And it isn't behind corporate America. It started in my mind and I'm infecting the world with greatness. That's true freedom. Wow. Okay. So I don't know that there's a better way to end the podcast than infecting the world. <laughs> so we'll end it right there. Precious. Okay. Williams, thank you so much for being on the Deal Quest podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Deal Quest, where we help you understand how deal driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. You can be a friend of the show by leaving a review on the Good Pods app podchaser.com or any major podcast player. Every review helps the show reach more listeners. If you're ready to take your deal making to the next level by becoming a master negotiator, head over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of my best-selling book, Authentic Negotiating. Then connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.